0: (laughs) . Welcome to another episode of On She Goes the podcast. Uh, We're gonna talk a little bit today about the discrimination that uh, women of color who are from the Middle East experience, what their families experience when it comes to travel. I mean, it's obviously no secret. America has become so discriminatory against Middle Eastern people, which is so unfortunate. we're going to start today's episode off with an interview I did with my good friend Katherine Kavari. Uh, Kat is a Persian woman living in Los Angeles. Uh, she's an actress. She's been featured on Insecure. She's going to be in season three coming up and was on seasons one and two. She's in Big Little Lies, as well as the voice of Miss Marvel, which is the first female superhero to have her own series, and also the first Muslim superhero, which is pretty cool. Uh, Kat's a freedom fighter for herself and for others, and she stands up for everything that she believes in. So we're going to start off with that interview. So Kat, how are you today? I'm good, Sarita. How are you today? I'm well, thank you. So Catherine's going to talk to us today a little bit about being an Iranian woman in America, traveling. Uh, she obviously travels a ton for work, uh, being the high-powered actress that she is. And she's going to um, just give us some insight on what her life is like when she has to travel, um, any kind of discrimination that she faces. And, I mean, we're none of us are new to this at this point, um, we kind of know that after 9-11, uh, Middle Eastern women, Middle Eastern people in general are always being profiled and targeted, especially in the U.S. Is this something that you've encountered? Is it post? Is it pre? Is it, you know, tell me a little bit about what your opinion is on that.
1: Sure. Well, really, I mean, it's very nuanced, I think, because I started traveling with my mom when I was very young. I think I was six the first time we went internationally. And my mom was not a citizen at that point. And so the first time I had experienced discrimination while traveling was with her as a child. And that was obviously pre-9-11 for me. Um, I just remember every time we'd go into an airport, as soon as they found out that she was Iranian, immediately our bags would get searched. And immediately my mother would get irate. And she would always go on a tirade, like, oh, are you doing this because I'm Iranian? I know why you're doing this. And then I would chime in once I found out what was going on, like a little kid being like, I know why you're doing this. It's because we're Iranian, isn't it? It was me and my mom really like ganging up on TSA, which somehow they allowed us to do because what are they going to say? You know, they couldn't, uh, they, they had to do what, what they were going to do and we could just sound off and that was about it. That was a very, very early memory of mine, of knowing that we were different than the other passengers getting on the plane. We were going to be seen differently. Uh, I think post 9-11, my parents have their citizenship. When my father got his citizenship, he changed his name. His name was originally Ali Muhammad. He changed it to a very benign Alex. He even changed his last name. So my father and I do not have the same last name. He's got a whole new last name. I'm not going to say what it is, but it's not my last name. My last name is Kavari with a K-H, Kavari. His is just some regular old white sounding last name <laughs> because he was sick and tired of, you know, being asked where he was from, what his job was. In fact, recently he was going on a domestic flight And he forgot his ID. So all he had was his Bank of America card with his picture on it. And he presented that. And they were like, okay, sure, pass through. And I said, dad, because I would always give him a lot of shit for changing his name. Like, dad, don't conform to the ideal. Like, be who you are. Be proud of who you are. But then when they let him go, I was like, oh, shit. If you had stuck to Ali Mohammed, blah, 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 khabari, there was no way they would have. It's only because your name was Alex Smith or whatever. It's, it's basically Smith. Like, it's literally almost Smith. It's like such a benign last name. Like, it's because that is your last name. And he also, he's like a darker dude, but he could, you know. The thing about Iranians is if you just look at us, it could be anything. It could be Italian. It could be Brazilian, Late- some sort of whatever. The only time that it becomes problematic is if you are of Middle Eastern descent. And you're wearing some sort of garb that gives you away. So if you got a hijab on, you're covering your hair in some way. That's when it becomes the most problematic. But if you start trying to blend in, that's our privilege. We are able to blend in a lot of the times, and a lot of Iranians do take advantage of that. Hence, my father.
0: <laughs> yeah, I've seen your dad before. I definitely think he could uh, he could pass through. I mean, you gotta admit though, it's kind of smart.
1: It's smart. I mean, it is smart. It pissed me off. It pissed my mom off. We were both like, what are you doing? And he's like, you don't understand. Like, I think at the time I didn't really appreciate it because I was like, what do you mean? Ali, it's fine. But now, especially post 9-11, you know, I get it.
0: Tell me, uh, do you think that it's more difficult for uh, women than it is for, for the men?
1: It depends. I mean, if you're a Middle Eastern or Muslim or, you know, North African, you know, South Asian, whatever, Muslim who looks Muslim. I actually think that oftentimes men, because, you know, what you see in the media, what you hear in the media are male suicide bombers or male terrorists. So I think in some ways, in that setting, men definitely are more suspect than women can be. But I think women with hijab on, Everywhere else is, you know, you're looked down upon in the West by men and women. Women because they feel like they feel sorry for you and they're quote-unquote feminists who see you as, you know, weaker because you're wearing that. And uh, men because, well, because they're just assholes. So,
0: Tell me, have you had any kind of experiences yourself um, since you've been like an Adele? And I know you've been everywhere. I mean, where were you at? Like Tanzania? Tell me about some of the trips you've taken. Um, does it ever cross your mind? Do you think about it when you get into the airport? Like, oh, my God, people are going to start discriminating against me. Or do people just not even know?
1: Honestly, people, I I blend. People don't necessarily know. On my passport, my birthplace is USA. For my friends who have a birthplace in Iran who moved here, you know, when they were two or three or whatever, but it still has it in your passport where your birthplace is. I think for those guys, it's a little bit more iffy. But for me, my birthplace is USA. Sure, I have this Iranian last name, but I don't look like I am of Muslim descent. So I really haven't had those kinds of issues in the airport. Now that doesn't mean I'm not nervous. Every time I go to Iran every year to visit my family and especially post dickhead president, I am always concerned coming back. My mom goes every six months. I'm always worried about her coming back too. Uh, Fortunately, I haven't had any issues yet, which has been actually surprising and very, very nice. But every time I'm coming back from Iran or going there. I am nervous. I am extremely nervous. But I will say that there are certain areas that, you know, when I have traveled, I have I have traveled around a lot. And, and when I have, I haven't gone to places that are, for example, one of my best friends, she's also Iranian, and she's got an uncle who lives in a part of Germany, who's been living there for like, I don't know, 30 years. A part of Germany, he's a doctor there. Uh, an area that still has a lot of skinheads. And my friend grew up going there in the summers, and she would get stares all the time. Her cousins, who are half Iranian, half German, but look darker, they are constantly... I mean, just a few months ago, her uh, her cousin was trying to go into a McDonald's in his neighborhood, and they the the guard at the McDonald's let all of his friends go but wouldn't let him go in because he's just darker. And it's that type of place. His his Her uncle's gotten... He's gotten assaulted many times by skinheads in Germany. So those are places that I haven't necessarily gone to. Now, where I, I did go recently and where I do go often is uh, Northern England to the Lake District. It's also very, very white. My cousins live there. My uncle lives there. They're half Iranian, half uh, Scottish. But, you know, look very ethnically ambiguous or whatever. And... There was never anything super overt, but there was one time where I was in a pub and I overheard one of, well, actually it was the barmaid or whatever, and she was going off on a rant about how, like, all Asians need to go back to where they came from. And Asians in there, in England, usually means, like, South Asian, Middle Eastern, whatever. Asians need to go back to their country. They don't belong here. I don't care if you, if you were born here and raised here. You need to go back to where you came from. She wasn't saying it to me. She was just lamenting to the other patrons in there. But I remember hearing that and being like, oh, my God, like you have no idea. And that's the other part about blending in is people will say shit to you and in front of you. And maybe she would have said that in front of me, even knowing, you know, maybe she did know. I don't know what was going on in her head, but she was irate. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, you can't just say shit like this. And then I actually I had asked my cousin recently, I was like, when I went this past summer, you know, sometimes I wrap my hair just because it's, you know, cute. Being in such a, a homogenous place, I asked her, I was like, do you think I, sh- I can wrap my hair? Like, is that cool? Because I don't want to like, get into it with anyone. Know, people get really drunk out here and get belligerent. And then her and her cousin or her and her, her friends started talking to each other. And her friend was like listen, they might say some stuff to you, but don't worry, we got your back. And I was like, you know what? I'm not trying to get everybody stabbed this weekend. Uh, just, I'm just not going to wrap my hair. But just the fact that I had to ask, you know, and, and they had to discuss it and weigh the pros and cons of me doing that. And I was like, it's just not worth it. So I just didn't. And that's not even something that's like necessarily cultural for me at all. But I just it was more fashion. But even that could have been seen in a different way
0: but it's a shame that it has to be that um, you know speaking of going to Iran every every year you said you go right um, every time you go I feel like you bring back the most beautiful video or photos like ever your Instagrams It looks gorgeous there. It looks so fun and so awesome. And I would love to go there, just so you know.
1: I would love for you to go there. I would love to take my friends there. That's, like, one of my dreams is to
0: lead a tour with all of my friends. That would be the best thing. I would love that. But I feel like people don't even consider going to a place like Tehran for a vacation or for to visit, like, you know, to check it out. I mean, the history, everything, I— I would be beside myself. I would love it. But like people, especially I think women of color are also in that group. I mean, let's dispel some of those those like thoughts and theories. I mean, people probably think it's super, super strict. I don't know. Maybe women are not going to be allowed to walk around and, and do as they please and so on. I mean, talk about your experiences going there. You always have such an amazing time.
1: Yeah, I think Iran's one of those places that people just they know what they see on the media and what they see on the media is atrocious. So the first time I went to Iran, I was nine. And my mom says that it was, we used to watch the Iran-Iraq war on TV because I still had family there. My mom would always be watching the bombings that were happening, which was kind of a crazy thing to watch as a kid. But that was the image that i had had of Iran of just <laughs> like dirt and bombs. And my mom said, I used to like point at the most dilapidated areas when we drive by and I'd be like, mommy, is that Iran? And she was like, oh, hell no. Like I got to take this kid to Iran. (laughs) So the first time I went, I was nine and I've gone every other year, almost since then. and, And more frequently every year, it's a beautiful, beautiful country. It's surprisingly for the West, very safe for women. I remember the first time I went there, I was walking down the street with you know, growing up in Oakland, I was I was just like, Wait, you guys just walk around here? Like, no one's gonna come mug you, you're not gonna get robbed? Like I don't understand. What's what is this? Like, no, no, it's super safe here. You just walk around by yourself. It's not a big deal. And that was really new to me because there was no way me and my mom were just gonna walk around like Oakland back in the late eighties at, you know, one o'clock in the morning. That's crazy. Yeah, it's it's very safe there. Uh, In terms of tourism, because the U.S. has such strict and stringent rules for Iranians coming to the U.S. and the visa process is so difficult, and it has been since the revolution, Iran's policy is basically like reciprocation, right? So they make it just as difficult, especially for Americans, to go to Iran. Under Obama, things were actually starting to look like they were going in the right direction, but now you know, unfortunately, it looks like it might be going in the wrong direction again. But the fact is, though, once you're in the country, once you have permission to be there, and there are a lot of speaking of Germans, ironically enough, there are a lot of German tourists in Iran. I mean, there are a lot of German tourists everywhere, but Iran actually has a lot of German tourists. Uh, those are like the the main kind of tourists that I see when I go there. They seem to be fearless in a lot of ways. But so yeah, once you're in the country, this is pe- something that people just don't know. Iranians love foreigners. They love foreigners. They as especially love Americans. Iranians have had an obsession with Americans and American culture for decades. They watch American movies, everyone speaks English really, really well, it's only gotten better. My cousin, who was born and raised there, speaks English so well with such an amazing accent, and she's never left, the only other country she's been to is Turkey, that it's unbelievable she learned this all from just watching American movies. But it became really obvious to me when my husband and I, Carl, got married in 2009. And we went to Iran and had a wedding there. And his whole family came. His mom, and Carl is half Korean, half Jewish. His mom, his dad, his aunt, and his brother, they all came to Iran. I got them visas to come there. And I admit I was nervous because I don't, I'd never taken an American there. I always go with my—I'm a dual citizen. I always go with my Iranian passport. It was never— in, uh, a concern, so I think our whole family was a little had a little bit of trepidation about it, but still not so much that we were like, "Don't go." Meanwhile, all of Carl's family, extended family members, were so concerned about Carl's family and Carl's friends. They're like, "Are you sure you want to go, man? Is this a good idea? Like, I don't know. Be careful out there." People were so misinformed. They thought Iran was Iraq. Like, isn't there a war going on over there right now? Like, it was just so so much ignorance surrounding that country. But when they came there, the first thing that happened was I had already got out of passport control. It was just, I was waiting on Carl and his family and they were still in there. And I asked the guy at baggage claim and I was like, listen, I'm waiting for my husband and his family, they're still not out. What's going on? And he was like, where are they from? I'm like, America. He was like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's gonna take an hour because when we go to America, they question us so much that we just basically do the same. They'll be out in an hour. And sure enough, they were out in an hour. And I asked them, I was like, how was it? Like, what did they say? Nothing. We, you know, chatted a little bit. They asked where I worked. We had a good laugh. It was really lighthearted. I'm like, okay, cool. And then the rest of the trip, they were just treated like royalty by people that realized where they were from, just strangers. I would try to serve as an interpreter and nobody wanted me. Everyone's like pushed me out of the way. Like, no, 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 we want to talk to these people here. Everyone became so hospitable when they found out that not only were they foreigners, but they were also Americans. And actually, there was one theme that happened throughout the whole thing is that when when people would find out they were American, they're like, oh, it's such a shame that our governments don't get along. But we see past government. We see people. And we understand your people are good. And Iranians have a very, very solid understanding of not... Uh, aligning a country's citizens with a country's politics and a country's government and that to me was and Carl actually ended up writing a blog about it it was called kareem in iran.blogspot.com where him and his family wrote about their experiences
0: in iran that's awesome have have you ever had experiences um or or has your family in iran ever had experiences with women other women of color that are there, like black women or, you know... Um... The th- okay, so the thing about Iran
1: is that there are black women of African descent in Iran. So Iranians have seen, and there are more East Asian looking people because Iran is so actually racially diverse. They're all Iranian under the you know umbrella of Iranian, but they have come from all over. There was a slave trade and there were business ties between East Africa and Iran. Uh, when we were there, we saw th- there, there was a basketball player who was from the US who was living in Iran. He said, you know, actually, I got a lot of discrimination when I was playing basketball in, what was it, Latvia or something? He said people would yell racial epithets all the time at him while he was on the court. He it was like, Turkey was better, Iran, everyone's been really, really nice. I haven't felt different at all. I think Iranian hospitality sort of trumps any kind of inherent racism that they might harbor, which I'm sure they do. I mean, I think they have been bombarded with the same kind of media brainwashing that the rest of the world has been uh, exposed to, especially
0: with respect to black people and black Americans. And uh, talk to me a little bit about the um, the travel ban. I know that. Uh, well, first, let's talk about um, your Big Little Lies premiere dress. What did the dress say? Uh, in big block
1: white letters on a black dress, it said, "My Iranian immigrant mother
0: teaches your kids how to read." Yes, ma'am. Okay. So I remember when you when you wore that dress. First of all, I mean, you're so brave. And so awesome to take a stand like that and to use your platform for that. So kudos to you. And what were the reactions that you got? How did you feel? Were you nervous? Were you, like, what were you feeling?
1: Okay, well, first of all, it was the most nervous I think I've ever been in my life. I don't have a name as an actor right now. I didn't know how people were going to react. I didn't know who was going to get pissed off. I was going into it completely not knowing what the reaction was going to be. But I was also extremely angry and the anger outweighed the fear in a lot of ways. And I felt like I couldn't just not say anything and just pretend like everything was OK, especially because it was the premiere was right around the time of the Muslim ban. It was happening right then. I think the day of the premiere was the day that also Betsy DeVos had just gotten sworn in. And, and so there was it was twofold is that my mom's a teacher and she's also an Iranian immigrant. Yeah. I mean, it was definitely the most nervous I'd ever been. I I cried a lot. There was a lot of me just trying to tell myself not to be selfish and just do it, man. If you're angry, you gotta, you gotta say something. You can't be silent about it. So yeah. And then the reaction afterwards actually was very supportive. It was better than I thought it was going to be. People were super supportive about it. I got a lot, there was a lot of coverage on it. Surprisingly, there were obviously trolls. There were a lot of hateful and abusive comments on Instagram. It was a it was a very anxiety-filled week and a half, two weeks. But you know, it's the internet, so everyone forgot it after the second week. It was people had moved on <laughs> to the next thing.
0: To use your own voice to like stand up for yourself and to make a statement, and the fact that you did that, you stood up for everyone when you did that. And I think that's really awesome. Um, I want to wrap up a little bit, but I want to ask you to let the people know where they can find you. You can find me. um, uh, I have a website,
1: katharinekavari.com, and my name is spelled Catherine with two E's. So anyways, uh, there's the website. And then on Instagram, I'm Kavari, and Twitter, which... Actually, use my official Twitter just to go off on companies and uh, politicians. So it's not that exciting. But that one's also Catherine Cavari.
0: <laughs> nice. Okay, great. Thanks, Kat. And we look forward to seeing you and so many more wonderful things coming up soon in the near future. Season three
1: of Insecure. That's the latest. And then uh, Ms. Marvel is about to uh, be the lead in uh, Marvel Rising. So. Look out for that
0: one. Well, congratulations, and thank you so much for joining me and joining us. We really appreciate it. And um, people, everyone follow Kat. She's amazing. If you need someone that knows how to stand up for themselves and for other people, she's the one. Thanks, Sarita. (laughs) Welcome back. Today, while we have our On She Goes team, we have Maron and Rebecca, and we also have Farron Nickdell who is with us, who is basically a part of the On She Goes team anyways. Farron pretty much handles all the beautiful social things that we do. So Farron, you can say hi. Hello. Farron is Iranian. So do you want to talk a little bit about that? You know, give us some of your background and
2: yeah. I guess I should just have
0: you introduce yourself. My bad.
2: No, <laughs> <laughs> you did a great job of introducing me. Um, but yeah, my name is Farron and I. Both my parents are Iranian. Um, I grew up in a smaller, pretty white town where a lot of the time I was the only woman of color, let alone a Middle Eastern woman. Um, and for most of my life, I was fortunate enough to have blinders on um, because we were set up against a really supportive community, and I was never really made to feel any sort of way. But Definitely there was a noticeable shift after 9-11. I remember specifically my dad coming back home from a trip at Costco and having a chat with my mom in the kitchen and B and I, my sister, we're still pretty young, but they were discussing how um, someone at Costco—and I still don't know to this day what the person said—but someone had made like a, a really terrible racial slur at my dad. And I was—that was me just starting to put the pieces together of like, hey, we look different. My dad's first name is Hossein, and then my sister and I look noticeably different than everyone else in our community. And that's kind of when it sunk in. And from that point forward. It's just been me learning more and more about myself, set up against my environment.
0: Hmm. And do you remember, like, traveling when you were younger? Like, what was that like for you guys? Do you remember after going through extra security or extra measures to do anything, or was it pretty breezy?
2: I mean, we would go home back to Iran, like, every summer um, when I, when my sister and I were younger, and... It was, it was kind of weird because you, you received that extra layer of scrutiny and um, security measures through on the U.S. side and then also when you were on the um, Iranian security like, uh, airport area because you didn't really belong to either. So you had a, an Iranian passport in the States and then when you went to Iran, you also had a U.S. passport since we were dual citizens. Um, so yeah, it, that was kind of like
0: the normal Mm -hmm. I thought this was important because, you know, um, I feel like I I don't have this experience. You know, like this is I feel like an experience that's unique for certain for specific women in a specific culture, because I feel like a lot of like East Indian people experience it as well. Um, which is basically a lot of people just lumping everybody brown together. Right. (laughs) You know what I mean? Everyone brown who's not black. Yep. (laughs) And even when we talk about Iran as as a country, I mean, I've seen— so I'm going to post a video that Kat took her last trip to Mm -hmm. Iran. And, I mean, every time she goes, I'm like— these photos are gorgeous. Yeah. I'm like, I want to go. Like, what's yeah. up? I mean, what are you? What are your thoughts and feelings on, on Iran as, and like Tehran as a vacation destination for people, especially right. for women of color?
2: Right. Um, I always reference Anthony Bourdain. He had that segment where he goes all over the world and tries their food. And in one of his books that I read, he said Iran was by far his most favorite place to go visit because of how hospitable everyone is. They really are. You have to separate what you hear in the media about the government versus the people, there's such a big divide. Um, and there are some of the sweetest, most hospitable, warm, kind souls I've ever met Um, to the point where like as a little kid I could just it's a huge city and I feel perfectly safe walking around by myself Um, something I would never do in my like hometown even
3: it's the same in Eritrea too like when people think it's like oh it's East Africa and the way that people perceive Eritrea like government wise and things like that um My parents feel super comfortable and safe and any little, like my sister's seven years younger than me and she'll go off. And you you will see like law enforcement will have like A big gun shot to the back of them, and that's kind of trippy at first, Mm. but then it's just, like, it's hella peaceful and super safe, and they feel really comfortable. But it's also my parents' home, too, so they feel more comfortable there.
0: Do you guys—is there, like, a lot of, like, other women of color that come to visit there? Like, does your family ever, like, encounter, like, black American tourists or— So— Everything that I've
2: experienced and a lot of my experiences tie back to, and they're all within a family setting. So I'd always go back with my mom and dad. But I do remember before I think my sister and I were born, my mom traveled with her friend Saiko and she's Japanese, um, and she like was just so. Because Japan has a different relationship with Iran than the States does with Iran. Um, So she knew Farsi and she was able to like communicate with my grandma and grandpa, which was so impressive at the time. And um, she fit right in and was like so wide eyed and appreciative to be there and happy to be there. But um, no, in terms of other women of color or even guests, like I have yet to bring them back. Hopefully one day, like my white ass boyfriend will come with me and we'll experience that together but <laughs> until then it's just me and my family
0: <laughs> well if you want to bring us you can i'm oh, totally happily down oh would bring you guys <laughs> yeah i i'm i'm sold like i've been sold for a long time yeah <laughs> like i'm yeah. on board um let's talk a little bit about the travel ban and how that affected you your family um friends people that you know what was that like to have, to hear that on the news, to see, you know what I mean, to like yeah. hear it happen and like listen to these people talk about it and justify it? What was that like for you?
2: In terms of watching the news, I've just said since like January of last year that I just stop. Um, Good for you. Because it's I like, it too. actually hurts. Like it hurts my soul to see either like my people or other groups that are so marginalized and like being shown in one way um, in the media and it's just hard like you can't do anything and it feels really really hopeless Um, but similar to the travel ban I woke up actually to an email from my boss and she had just sent the article and she said I'm thinking of your family I hope everyone's okay and I was like oh no something's happened in Iran Um, and I read the article really quickly and then called my mom and dad Um, my mom's like I actually haven't heard anything like let me go talk to your dad We'll, we'll call you back And then um, my my parents called me back and they said, well, actually, your dad was going to go over to see your grandfather because he was having an emergency eye surgery and now he can't go. And it was just one thing after another. But um, I was seeing it through such a like focused, small lens and just looking at the interaction between my dad and my grandfather and felt so bad. And then took a step back and would see, um, you know, on Twitter or Facebook, these like videos from um, translators saying, you know, they're so devastated because their, their mother can't come over or their son can't come over. And I would just be sobbing. Like I would just from the, any type of video that I would see, the protests, um, they were all so powerful. And it, it was moving to see how many people took a stance and weren't quiet about it, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, I
0: was I was filled with hope while also just really, really, really upset. It just seems like, you know, even through the lens of, of what you're saying, like your, your personal story with your family, your grandfather and mm-hmm. his eye surgery and your dad wanting to be there for him, it's like when other people hear stories like that at that point they should understand
2: mm-hmm.
0: yeah you know what I mean it's like what kind of person do you actually have to be right to not understand that this man wants to be there for his father right and I'm sure there's like m- tons of other stories like that far worse too yeah yeah, yeah. That and like I mean I'm sure your grandfather made it through his surgery mm-hmm. well which is great um I mean since then has your family been back you know have your family over there been able to come over here? Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so my grandmother on my mom's side and my grandfather on my dad's side are coming over every six months, um, and I believe my my grandma is either like one step away from being a citizen or she has her citizenship, and my grandfather's going through that journey too. So that requires a lot of back and forth um, just for legal reasons. So my grandfather plans to come this summer, and my grandmother a little bit earlier. Um, so I think there's still travel happening back and forth, but. Yeah, it's 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 messy, and it's always a little, a lot more worrisome now. Knowing that, um, you know, checking in when they when they arrive to t- certain airports just to make sure they're okay, and not being hassled at all. And both my grandparents don't speak any English, so that makes it all the more complicated. Um, so I'm sure that whole like span, my parents on both sides are not sleeping at all because they're just worried about their mom and dad the whole time. But. It's it's rough, like it's always been a long trip um, and it's also riddled with like political strife too back and forth. So you just gotta pray and hope that they come over safe and um, enjoy your time with them and know that they'll hopefully be able to return safe too.
0: I always wonder, I guess, like, I, I cause I, I feel like, um, and again, this is my perspective which is definitely different, but I always feel like I don't know. If I was from somewhere else that had, like... I just wouldn't want to come here because it seems like being here is really horrible. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, like, for... And, I mean, I've been here all my life. I don't really know much different. And and I know it's the opportunity. it's, It's the school. It's the... I'm assuming your grandparents are coming to be with you guys, to be with your family and everything. But it's like, I just feel like I couldn't imagine wanting to come to a place that just treated me so bad. But I guess I live in a place that treats me bad, so. If I were flipped on the other side, I don't know that I would want to be
2: coming, seeing like headline and article after article. And I was talking to my parents this last weekend about the latest thing is um, some Iranian women in Tehran are protesting the hijab. And they're trying to like free themselves from wearing it, and it was it was covered in the New York Times. And I was like trying to have a casual conversation with my dad about it to see what he thought either way. And he's like, Farron, the only time you're gonna see Iran ever in the news is in a bad way. They will never cover anything else that's going on. So um, you know, don't be worried here and there if 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 what you're reading startles you, because that's all that's ever gonna be covered. Um, just to instigate more fear or um you know share it in a bad lens so long story short I wouldn't come over here if I were over there I'd just chill
3: in Tehran and have a great time
2: yeah (laughs) that's
0: what it seems like would be the would be the preferred thing
3: Mm -hmm. um you said something that struck me because it reminded me of a similar sentiment I heard from someone else but the process of traveling in and out of the country and not feeling like you belong in either place. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk a little bit more about that? And is that something that you only feel when you travel? Or are there other moments when you feel that way too?
2: Mm, I think the when I fly back home specifically, like I, I just got on a flight this morning to to come back to Portland and the entire I've never been so aware of like what color I am until recently um and the entire flight is white and as I like walk down the aisle they I mean whether they're just like looking at any other passerby or taking particular notice in me I have to stop and think like are they afraid like what are they thinking right now that dialogue is always going on in my head Mm um yeah it's It's the sense of when I am in Iran and when I do hear, like see other people that look like me and hear other people speaking Farsi, like my soul is like on fire with goodness, however it is, like I'm so happy and it feels so good to hear you know, what you've only heard or seen a little bit of your entire life, uh, knowing it's like the homeland. Um, But still, like you have a little bit of an accent even while you're speaking Farsi, and everyone knows that you're from America. And on the flip side, being in the States, growing up where I grew up, um, and coming to an age where I finally started realizing that, you know, I'm just because I I see everyone around me as white doesn't mean I am too. Mm -hmm. Um, Once I kind of had that, like self-realization um yeah you're like i don't really fully belong here and then when i go back home my parents even belong more there than i do Right. so you're kind of like a transplant in both situations Mm.
3: yeah i was uh the person who i heard that from was this guy when i was in eritrea he was from sweden so he was born and raised in sweden Mm -hmm. i feel like there's certain countries where at least there's so this is an immigrant country where everyone is from everywhere yeah. but there's certain places where that's not as common or as yeah. big and he had said that like yeah it's very clear I don't I'm not from here and belong here. And then when I go home, that's not my home because I wasn't born there either or grew up there either. Right. I had a moment. I might have shared it on the podcast, but um, I had we we were like Team North America. There were like four people from Canada and two of us from the U.S. and mm-hmm. we were hanging out with each other, and it was like slow mo of this like white guy he might I'm guessing he's Italian because there's a lot of Italians that live in Eritrea from when we were colonized but he's like rolling super slow in his car and we're walking and we just like lock eyes and he he was kind of looking at us like what are you doing here and we were like (laughs) what are you doing here and it was like in that moment like oh shit like he's more eritrean in some ways than i am like he might have lived yeah. here his whole life like mm-hmm. and it was just like this crazy moment of like okay yeah
0: i'm not from here
3: that's an, yeah yeah
2: it's that's a weird really feeling
0: mm-hmm.
2: but that's what's so so bizarre is like you hold on to those little similarities um like in Portland, if I were to ever hear Farsi down the street, I would instantly have to go talk to them. Like that's a complete stranger. Yeah. I don't know you at all. And that would in any other situation be the weirdest thing ever. But I, I feel like we have some like deeper connection than everyone else that I run into just yeah. because they speak Farsi. Yeah. Which is like that's how strong of a need or like an urge I'm trying to fulfill by going to, to cling to other people that look like me or sound like me. Which is crazy. Have
3: you ever um, ran into Iranians or heard Farsi while you were traveling outside of the States? Yes. yes, It's the best. best. (laughs) Kevin and I were were traveling back from Sweden. And
2: there was this older and older Iranians just kill me because they always remind me of my grandparents. So I have the softest spot for them. And um, it was this older... A uh, husband and wife, and uh, you could tell the situation. And later, I found out it was true. But they were going to visit their kids in the states. They were in the Amsterdam airport, and then they didn't know a lick of either of the any of the languages that were being spoken there. Um, and so you could tell, like the grandmother was so worried and concerned. And I was, I overheard them and um the the security guard who was with them was trying to have some like weird dialogue with him that just was not working yeah. and so i was like okay kev one second and i went i was like do you guys need help in farsi and they instantly were so relieved I was so happy and I'm pretty sure I was like floating on like a hive just because I was so happy to make the connection yeah. and then like be able to help them out and know that they were at ease too
3: Yeah, That's but awesome. yeah when I hear it it like makes me so happy I had that when I went to Europe by myself I was like everywhere I went I like saw an Eritrean person and it was like oh my god yes I could speak my language better than the other language being spoken here I love it. it was sort of like okay I know who to go to if I I need something.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: It's very
3: comforting. You think things are going to get better?
0: That's a good question.
2: I don't know. I think considering we've been with war or at war with the Middle East for so long, unfortunately, Iran gets clumped into that, even though there is no fighting. Like, Like you said, if you were to go visit the city of Tehran, it's as if you're walking into you know, a smaller Manhattan, and it feels very, um, for better or for worse, like it's been westernized, but a lot of people don't know that. Um, and I think we're just, we're going to be, especially under this administration, um, and probably for, for however many decades on, um, a lot of us are motivated by fear, just because that is, that's a, such a strong emotion. And it's a fear of the unknown and not knowing any better. Um, and a lot of that is ignorance, too. And I just don't see that. I don't see a flood of Americans um, who haven't traveled outside of even their own hometown to go visit anywhere in the Middle East, let alone Iran. So I, I don't, as sad as that is of an answer. But I do hope um, for anyone listening to this podcast that maybe, you know, even just a Google search of what the city looks like can be so eye-opening. Um or different cities around the world for that matter because we have this perception of it and so often, more times than not, it's not actually true. So um, that's just, I don't see it getting any better but hopefully we'll make little steps.
0: I feel like the younger generation of all people of color are Mm -hmm. trying really hard to make things a little bit better, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Even by venturing out to places that they would have never gone or or like our parents would have never gone or, you know.
2: Yeah, now more than ever, like it's so relevant to this podcast and to the mission of On She Goes but now more than ever it's so important to travel and to cross those borders if you're allowed to and even if there is like some weird stigma about not going there because of X, Y, Z like explore it for yourself um, and really get like a like a true reputable source to tell you if it's safe or not. Like, don't put yourself in danger. But now more than ever, I think it's so important to cross those borders
3: that we otherwise wouldn't have done.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: It's pretty amazing because it's like we think about the things that we're doing with Antigos and how we want to make an impact, but mm-hmm. like the simple act of traveling and like, at least I'll speak for myself, knowing that people perceive me in a way that I might be different and mm-hmm. you know, whether it's because I'm a part of a marginalized group or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's just like it's almost like we need to be the ones that are challenging those narratives because we know that what's said about us isn't true. So Amen. It's like, <laughs> I love that. How do we mm-hmm. go ahead and be like, shit, maybe it's women of color going all the places that you're afraid of going and being like look at
0: the world (laughs) like it's all good yeah i love that yeah all right guys anything else to add do you want to tell the people anything where should we go when we're in iran yeah (laughs) well i've only
2: spent the most amount of time in tehran Mm -hmm. um isfahan is like uh a city right outside of tehran and it's beautiful and it has like, it dates back all the way. I mean, the history is so rich there. It dates back all the way to like Zoroastrianism and then also there's like these huge stone structures uh, like Paris Police, which is all around Isfahan as well. Um, but honestly, if you can just make it to Tehran, there's so much to see in that huge, beautiful city. Um, you'll be going from spot to spot, but uh, just get yourself to Tehran. and have a blast. <laughs> you'll have a great old time. <laughs> Call oh. up Farron's peoples. Yes. 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 yes, yes, yes. All my peoples will tell you where
0: to go. That's <laughs> awesome. Also, we want to hear from our Middle Eastern female listeners. Uh, let us know about your experiences. You know, enlighten us, please. So feel free to write us at hello at onchigos.com Or you can slide in our DMs on Onchigo's at Instagram, which is at onchigos, And you might end up talking to Rebecca or Farron so yeah let us know hit us up hit us up on twitter too we're all on she goes everywhere and uh if they want to follow you on instagram or anything if you want to share oh my instagram handle is just at fair nick all
2: one word first name last name how do you spell your last name n-i-k-d-e-l
0: Yes, you'll yep. get to see Farron's uh, every morning. She has a matcha Stewart.
2: Oh, yeah, I do Her my matcha, matcha Stewart. <laughs> I went off my game for a little bit, but I make my own matcha, which isn't revolutionary, but then I pair it to a song, and it's a blast. And she also
0: has a really cute dog named Chance. Yeah. Chance super the puppy. Sweet. Chance yep. the puppy. He's
2: featured on Instagram a lot, too. Yeah. Yep. Cool. Thank you so much, Farron. Thank and,
0: you. Uh, ladies. This Yay, is so guys. So great.